Welcome to the Hive Podcast with our host, Tia Kelly. And now the conclusion of An Angel for Daddy by Lucy Eden. Chapter 6, Spencer. So then what happened? Simmy asked. Well, we made out on her porch like a couple of horny virgins. Then I went home, put Nina to bed, took a shower, where I jerked off until I nearly passed out, and then I went to bed. How long ago was this? A week ago, I sighed. So what have you been doing since then? Nothing. Same old shit. I pick up Nina from school and Ruby doesn't mention it. It's like she's pretending it didn't happen. Ouch, little brother. I didn't realize you were that bad at kissing. Simmy laughed. I am not bad at kissing. It was a weird night. I wish she would talk to me about it. Are you ready for what she might say? What do you mean? I mean, maybe she's not ready. It seems like she's got a lot to deal with, and getting involved with one of her students' parents is not the move. She had an emotional night and got carried away. It happens to the best of us. Did you ever think she wears that wedding ring so she doesn't get hit on by the parents of her students? You make me sound like a creep. You weren't there. The feelings were definitely mutual. She said she wanted to kiss me. And then she kissed me. She kissed the hell out of me. Listen, Spence, I don't want you to get your hopes up. Ruby got a lot more than my hopes up that night. That kiss awakened parts of me that I thought had died with Sarai. Seeing the way she cared for her father, all by herself, made me fear for her and respect her even more than I already did. Even when dinner got stressful, she remained calm and focused. She even checked in on Nina. Yes, she was beautiful. Yes, she was sexy. And yes, her lips were softer and sweeter than I'd been imagining for the last few weeks. But Ruby Hayes was so much more than a pretty face and a pair of soft bee-stung lips. I wanted to make it my mission to get to know those other parts of her. I wanted her to trust me with her burdens, share her smiles, and anything else she was willing to give me. I think it's too late for that, I muttered. Shit. What? Speaking of getting hopes up... She paused. Mom has seen the photo of Nina's necklaces. Simmy was burying the lead and trying to deflect responsibility for the shitstorm she'd kicked up. She showed Mom pictures of Ruby and I gazing into each other's eyes like two star-crossed lovers. And... She... may have gotten a little excited. She's asking a lot of questions. And what did you say? What could I say? I don't know anything. I groaned knowing it would be only a matter of time before I would be getting a call from my mother, demanding details about Ruby that I wasn't prepared to give. All right, sis. Let me get to work. Don't be mad. She wanted to see pictures of Nina's necklaces. Did she see the display photos? Yes, 
she's been telling all her friends that she is a jewelry designer like her aunt and her necklaces cost a hundred dollars but you can only buy them in chicago i started chuckling when i heard simmy cackling on the other end of the phone stop are you serious that girl is too much she was trying to talk between fits of laughter i can't wait to come visit you two go do your important work little brother i love you Love you too, sis. I put my phone on vibrate and headed into my first meeting of the day. What's her name? My mom asked. I'm afraid to tell you, I said while rocking in my office chair. I rushed through my meetings and was organizing my files to decide which pressing client files I needed to take home tonight. It was a quarter after two. And if I could get mom off the phone in the next 20 minutes, I would make it to Nina's school on time. Why? I'm just going to do an internet search for her and check her social medias. Jesus Christ. That's why, Ma. There's nothing to tell. It was just a picture. And I don't want you cyberstalking Nina's teacher. I wouldn't be cyberstalking her. I just want to know more about her. Where did she go to school? Where are her people from? You should want to know these things too if she's taking care of your daughter all day. Ma, you're not fooling anybody. I chuckled. Okay, see, he's chuckling. Ma, you're not fooling anybody. I chuckled as I slid the last of my files into my messenger bag. Okay, fine. She let out an exasperated huff. She's a pretty girl, and Nina seems to like her a lot. She's single, and so are you. You need to move on, and Nina needs a strong female figure in her life. She had plenty before you snatched her up and moved halfway across the country. I rolled my eyes and sank into my chair. My mother made it sound like I'd kidnapped Nina. Lord knows she laid plenty of guilt trips on me when I was considering this move. I left my friends, and Nina and I left our family behind. That included Sarai's parents, who I thought about constantly. They were supportive of the move, and though Nina and I talked to them at least once a week, I know it must hurt to have this last piece of their daughter so far away. Mom, you're reading too much into a picture. I'm not ready to move on. And we're just getting settled into a new life. You're not reading enough into that picture. Don't block your blessings, baby. She said. Remember, this is what Sarai wanted for you and Nina. Yes, I remember. Of course I remember. When Sarai was first diagnosed, she decided to make a video diary. When Sarai was first diagnosed... She decided to make a video diary of what she called her journey with breast cancer. Once her diagnosis became terminal, she turned the project into videos for Nina and I, things she would want us to know when she was gone. There were videos about friendships, women's stuff that I wouldn't be able to help Nina with, and God help me, dating advice for me. Those were the hardest to watch. I was watching the woman I was supposed to grow old with telling me how to move on without her. 
It was also how I found out that she hated the sweater vests I used to wear when we were first dating. I didn't watch them after she died, but Nina was obsessed with them. Ma, that doesn't mean I'm supposed to start dating the first woman I've met. But Ruby wasn't the first woman I'd met. There were plenty of women who tried to get close to me after Sarai's death. Some of them used Nina to do it, but none of them ever came close the way Ruby did. I wasn't about to explain any of this to my mother. I'm only saying, baby, I want to see you and Nina settled. You're a good-looking man, employed, and my grandbaby is a special little girl. If you're going to live on the other side of the country, I want to know you're happy. We'll get there, Ma. We need time. My offer is still good to fly out there and stay with you, help you get settled. God, no. Thank you, Ma. That won't be necessary. And what would Dad do without you? I chuckled. I love you, baby. My mom said in a sigh. I know, Ma. I... I was interrupted by a knock on my door. Jason poked his head in before I could tell him to come in. His face was filled with panic and paler than usual. Shit, I was hoping you left, he groaned. I looked at the clock. It was almost three o'clock. I was going to be late picking up Nina. Don't leave your office. Stay quiet. We're on lockdown. Some lunatic with a gun got past security and is roaming the halls. What the fuck? Hey, Ma. I tried to keep my voice calm, hoping she didn't hear what Jason said. Something came up at work. I... I have to let you go. Okay, baby. Call me later. She sighed, and it gave me a small measure of comfort that she didn't sound worried. I will, Ma. I love you. Chapter 7. Ruby. 345 found Nina and I in the middle of an alphabet matching game when my classroom phone rang. Hello, room 10. Ruby Hayes speaking. Ruby, thank God. It's Spencer. Something in the tone of his voice made my heart race. He'd never called the school to let us know he was running late. Hi, Spencer. Is everything okay? No. Where's Nina? Is she okay? Can I talk to her? There's a panic mounting in his voice, making my chest clench and my arm prickle with goosebumps. Yes, of course. Uh, hold on. I held the phone away from my ear. Nina, your dad is on the phone. She shot me a confused expression, mirroring my own inner confusion, before she ran over to the phone. I handed her the receiver. Hi, Daddy. She chirped. Are you on your way to come get me? She paused, listening to her father's response. Why not? Another pause. Nina shot me a glance and smiled. Okay. See you later, Daddy. Love you, too. She smiled and handed me the phone. Spencer, what's going on? I asked. I need you to do me a favor. His tone was grave, and the volume of his voice was barely above a whisper. Of course, I answered without thinking. Anything. I need you to watch Nina for a while. What? A while? How long is a while? I don't know. Hopefully not longer than a few hours. What's going on? I'll tell you, but you have to promise to stay calm and don't scare Nina. His voice got lower. Okay. I took a deep breath, 
smiled at Nina, who would resume playing with the letter cards, then turned my back to her, bracing myself for what Spencer was about to tell me. My office is on lockdown. I cleared my throat to cover the small, strangled cry I let out. I knew exactly what lockdown meant. In my first year of teaching, we had two active shooter drills. The next year, we had six drills. This year, we were doing them on a monthly basis. Are you okay? Hot, sharp tears were springing into my eyes, and I felt the hand holding the phone's receiver begin to shake. I'm fine. I'm hiding in a closet. I don't think the shooter is on my floor, and I've been communicating with law enforcement. They know where I am. Spencer's voice was less panicked than before, and more reassuring, making me wonder if he was trying to calm me down. Then I wondered if he was downplaying the amount of danger he was in for my benefit. Are you supposed to be on your phone? Not really, but I wanted to talk to Nina, and I wanted to hear your voice. He sighed. My heart clenched at his words. A week ago, Spencer and I had the dinner from hell, where he rescued my father from a potentially embarrassing situation with such generosity and grace. Then he wrapped me in his arms on my porch and kissed me senseless. I hadn't stopped thinking about that night. I hadn't stopped thinking about that night. His embrace was strong, but so gentle. His lips were firm as they commanded me to open myself to him, and I did. In his arms, all the stress about my job, my father, and my financial troubles melted away, and I was only his. Our bodies molded together, as if God made me to fit in the palms of Spencer Jones's hands. In the week that followed, I kept him at arm's length. Nothing that felt that good could last, and I didn't have the strength to nurse a broken heart on top of everything else. Now, Spencer was hiding in a closet, not knowing if he was going to live or die, and all he wanted was to hear my voice. The tears that were pooling in my eyes began to flow down my cheeks. Ruby? Spencer called. Yes? I croaked in a small whisper. Please don't cry. I need you to do something else for me. Okay. My sister's name is Simi Jones. She has a jewelry store called Simi Precious in Chicago. S-I-M-I. If something happens to me... Spencer, I interrupted him. No, Don't talk like that. Ruby, please. If something happens to me, I need you to contact her. You can contact her yourself when you get home. Listen, I don't want my family to worry. They're in Chicago. There's nothing they can do. He pleaded. Please, promise me you'll do that for me. Yes, I whispered finally. But you're going to be fine. Listen, I need your number. My number? Yeah, I'm going to write it on my arm in case. I wanted to argue that he didn't need to do that, but if it made him feel better, I would. It also felt strange that after everything we'd been through, we didn't have each other's numbers. I recited the digits. (laughs) Wow. After all these weeks, it took an active shooter for me to get your number. He chuckled. Are you seriously cracking jokes right now? I smiled, and two more tears streaked down my cheeks. I wiped them away and glanced at Nina. Are you smiling right now? He asked. Yes, I answered. I can hear it. He paused for a minute. Listen, Ruby. I should preserve my battery. I'll call you as soon as I can. Take care of my baby for me. And Nina, too.
He laughed. You are too much, Spencer Jones. I huffed out an exasperated chuckle. My heart leapt at his little declaration, even if it was disguised as a joke. He wanted me to know how he felt about me. I guess near-death experiences make me reckless. He sighed. I'll talk to you soon, beautiful. I'll see you soon, I said. Please be safe. My principal confirmed that Spencer had given her permission to release Nina to me. She asked if there was something she should know about my relationship with the Joneses. I told her that they were new in town, didn't have any friends, and Nina had sort of bonded with me. All of this was true, but I left out the part about Spencer doing things with his tongue that kept me up late thinking about what else he could do with that tongue in other places on my body. I borrowed a booster seat from the school and brought Nina to my house, where thankfully Dad was in good spirits. I'm sure Nina's presence helped. He sat through four episodes of Superhero Girls, while Nina talked animatedly about all of the characters. It had been over two decades since I was Nina's age, but Dad didn't miss a beat with her. I started to make dinner, and he joined me in the kitchen. So I saw on the news that some fellow was shooting up an office building downtown. He took a tomato out of the bowl of vegetables and started chopping it. My eyes started to sting and well with tears. His brow furrowed. Onion, I croaked and held up the purple and white onion I'd been slicing. Ruby, I was born during the day, but it wasn't yesterday. My dad pursed his lips and his head dropped to the side. Yes, I confessed. It's Spencer's office. I talked to him. He said he's safe and hidden, but that was four hours ago. My voice started to tremble. My phone buzzed on the kitchen table and we both jumped. I dove for it, turning it over to see the caller ID. It was Sabrina. Hey girl, I can't talk right now. Have you been watching the news? Spencer's office building is on lockdown. There's a shooter. Have you? My best friend must have resumed her internet sleuthing after drinks a couple weeks ago. Brina, I know. I haven't been watching because Nina's here with me. I should have gotten off the phone, but I was desperate for any news. What are they saying on TV? There are no confirmed shootings, but there are hostages. They're sending in a hostage negotiator. Have you talked to him? A few hours ago, he said he was hiding and he wasn't sure which floor the shooter was on. My voice began to tremble and I could feel tears springing to my eyes. I wanted to tell Brina to come over so she could hold my hand and watch me cry while we waited for news, but I couldn't do that. Nina had to be my first priority. I'm sure he's fine. Her voice was an attempt at the reassurance she knew I needed. Yeah, I responded with half a heart. Brina, I have to go. I don't want to upset Nina, but I'll call you as soon as I know anything. Okay, talk to you soon. Love you. Love you too. During dinner, Nina talked a blue streak, and it was a welcome respite from the feeling of impending dread that was threatening to suffocate me as the minutes dragged on. Dad didn't complain about the food being bland and even ate half of his salad to encourage Nina to eat hers. It didn't work, but I applauded his effort. For a brief moment, I thought it would be nice to eat dinner with Nina more often. Then I remembered why she was eating dinner with us, and my heart clenched again. After dinner, Nina informed me that it was Wednesday, and on Wednesdays, her dad washed and braided her hair. I ran her bubble bath, with extra bubbles at her insistence, washed her hair with my shampoo, rinsed, and added conditioner before piling the slippery locks on top of her head with a hair tie. I soaped up a washcloth and let her wash herself, 
helping her with the bits she didn't do well enough or couldn't reach. After undoing her hair, I began to work through the tangles with my fingers and my wide-tooth comb. Daddy always rinses my hair before he combs it, she said. Ouch. Seriously, Spencer? I like it better the way you do it. It doesn't hurt as much. I'll be sure and tell your daddy that when he comes to get you. Thank you. She said that in two exaggerated sighs of relief that made me giggle. When is my daddy coming? He's never been this late before. Showtime, Ruby. Nina was a smart little girl, and I couldn't betray an ounce of the fear and panic I was feeling. I pasted on a big smile. I don't know, sweetie, but I know he got stuck at work, and he's going to come get you as soon as he can, okay? Okay. She seemed happy with that explanation. Miss Ruby? Yes, Nina? Can you do my hair different? Daddy only knows how to do two braids. It's kind of boring. She told me this like she was telling me the weather, and I had to roll my lips between my teeth to keep from laughing again. Okay, let's see what we can do. After bath time, I tucked Nina into my bed, wearing one of my t-shirts, where I read her favorite book, Where the Wild Things Are, which also happened to be my favorite book when I was her age. She asked to wear one of my sleep bonnets so she wouldn't mess up her new hairstyle. I smiled at her tiny form as she drifted off to sleep, wondering how someone could simultaneously be five and thirty-five years old. Downstairs, I poured myself a glass of wine and curled up on the couch to wait for Spencer, or the police, a tiny voice in my head called. I pulled out a stack of lesson plans to distract me, but I couldn't focus. Dad sat with me for a while, but after an hour, he went to bed. I was on my second glass of wine when I heard the knock. My heart sank. I was sure Spencer would call us when he was on his way. I took a deep breath, steeled myself, and walked to the door. Chapter 8 Spencer The door opened and one of the two people I was desperate to lay eyes on flung herself into my arms. I'd been sitting in a closet for seven hours, then in the back of an ambulance, wrapped in a blanket while being questioned by the police. I must have smelled like death, but she didn't seem to care. She smelled like heaven. Flowers, berries, and the faint smell of chocolate that I knew must have been cocoa butter. Oh, thank God. Her eyes were filled with tears when she pulled away from me. I wiped them away, brushing the pads of my thumbs across her soft skin. Right before she punched me in the chest. Why didn't you call me and tell me you were okay? I pulled my cell out of my pocket to show her. My phone died, I said, deadpan. My phone died, I said, deadpan. Do you have a charger I can borrow? I grinned at her, and she narrowed her eyes at me, smirked, and punched me in the chest again. Where's Nina? She's asleep in my room. Do you want to see her? My smile faded as the magnitude of how this day could have ended crashed over me like a tidal wave. Nina could have lost me. In the last conversations I had with my mother and sister, I was fussing at them about a picture of me and a woman I was pretending I wasn't falling in love with. That same woman would have to call them and tell them I was gone. I tried to stay calm during my phone call with Ruby because I didn't want to worry her any more than she had to be. 
but I was terrified. I nodded at Ruby, unable to form words, and she led me to her bedroom. I walked in and crouched beside my daughter's sleeping form. She was wearing an oversized t-shirt and a pale purple bonnet that made her look like the old lady from a Looney Tunes cartoon. Simmy wears them to bed, too, and I wondered if I'd missed some unspoken rule about raising little girls that Simmy and Ruby knew. I crawled into the bed next to her and pulled her into me, kissing her forehead. Nina stirred. Hi, Daddy, she whispered in a sleepy voice. Hey, little bit, I whispered. Are you okay? I'm fine, she yawned. I'm really sleepy, Daddy. Can we talk in the morning? I shot Ruby a look of incredulity, and she shrugged. Her eyes were sparkling like she was lit from within, and she was trying not to laugh. We have to get up and go home, baby. Miss Ruby needs her room back so she can go to bed. Nina groaned in response. Spencer, Ruby whispered, If you want, you can sleep in here with Nina. I was planning to sleep in the guest room downstairs. Yes, we'll do that, Nina replied. I couldn't put you out like that, I said. To be honest, I was physically, emotionally, and mentally drained. I must have made the drive to Ruby's house on desperation and adrenaline, but once I got to hold my girls in my arms, the exhaustion set in. It's okay, I insist. She smiled at me. I can find you some of my father's pajamas. They may look a little young on you, because you're bigger than Dad, we have some spare toothbrushes. You can take a shower. Ah, she did notice the smell. I grinned at her and nodded. Are we staying here tonight? Nina asked. Yes, sweetie. We're staying, I told her. Good. She groaned before rolling over and closing her eyes. I looked at Ruby, shaking my head. She had a hand clapped over her mouth and her shoulders were shaking with laughter. Ruby wasn't joking about her dad's pajamas. From the waist up, I looked like a male model. From the waist down, I looked like Steve Urkel. The shower was energizing, so instead of going to sleep, I checked on Nina again, then went downstairs to find Ruby. She was sitting on the couch in pajamas, twirling a wine glass between her thumb and forefinger. Hey, you, I called to her. Got any more of that? She turned to look at me, and her eyes went wide with shock before she tucked her bottom lip between her teeth and bit down, grinning. She put the wine glass on the table. How do I look? I did a turn for her. She burst out laughing. Um, like I shouldn't make you angry? She grinned. I leaned down, put one knee on the couch beside her, wrapped my arms around her waist, and crawled on top of her. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, I whispered with my lips inches from hers. Are you sure about that? She whispered back. My pajamas got tighter 
and I knew she felt it because she grinned at me. Ruby, I began. I know. You care about me. I care about you. We both love Nina. You almost died today, and now you want to have sex. She raised her eyebrows. Um, pretty much. I planned on being smoother than that, but that about covers it. I chuckled. Me too. She dragged her fingernails over my scalp before she wrapped her fingers around my head and pulled me down for a kiss. Ruby pressed our bodies together and wrapped her legs around my waist as we tasted each other for the first time in seven damn days. After what I went through today, going that long without kissing her again wasn't an option. I separated our lips. I don't just want to have sex, I said. I want you. I want to be with you. I searched her eyes, looking for a response to my words. She seemed to deflate, and she sunk into the couch below me, slowly uncoiling herself from my body. I don't want to get hurt. I know that's a stupid thing to say, because it's something I'd have no control over. But I just have too much on my plate right now. Maybe you need someone to grab a fork and help you. She giggled. Did you just think of that? She asked. I nodded and she smiled. Corny. What? That metaphor was perfect. I reached down and tickled her. Can we take it slow? She bit her lip and looked up at me. Her brows knitted together. Sure, of course. I started to back away from her on the couch and she grabbed the collar of my t-shirt and pulled me on top of her. No, we should definitely have sex tonight. She kissed me. I meant, let's not rush to put a label on this. Let's just spend time together and see what feels right. Okay, I nodded. I can handle that. But to be clear, we are having sex tonight. Oh, absolutely. Got him. Ruby closed and locked the door to the guest room before holding up the foil strip of condoms. I had to sneak past Nina to grab them out of my nightstand. They'd been in there for years. I had to check the expiration date. She giggled. Then what are you doing all the way over there? I stood up and walked toward her with my arms held out. Come here. She stepped forward and I wrapped my arms around her waist. I thought I was never going to see you again. I whispered as I dragged my nose over her shoulder, inhaling her delicious scent. I couldn't stop thinking about that kiss. Me neither. She panted. I'm so glad you're okay. She wrapped her arms around my neck and pulled our bodies closer. I began ghosting kisses over the curve of her chin before settling on her soft lips and covering them with my own. She let out a little moan that vibrated in my chest before parting her lips to grant me entrance to her luscious mouth. Ruby tasted like red wine, sweetness, and months of answered prayers.
I scooped her under the thighs and carried her to a nearby desk, setting her on top. I slid my fingertips over the soft, smooth skin of her waist as I gripped the hem of her pajama top and pulled it over her head. She wasn't wearing a bra underneath, and her breasts were small, perky, just the size of the palm of my hand, with large, dark brown nipples. I couldn't stop myself from leaning forward, sucking one into my mouth and gently applying pressure with my teeth. Mm. She moaned. Ruby was raking her nails over my scalp again. I worshipped her body, making my way down her waist and her small, rounded belly that again seemed to be made just for me to hold. She wiggled her hips as I helped her out of her pajama bottoms and panties. My hand slid between our bodies as I kissed her soft lips again. I parted her slick curls with my finger sliding over the hood of her clit, making her yelp. She was wet with arousal, ready for me to taste her. I began to kiss a trail down her torso. Spencer, what are you doing? She moaned. Everything. I was almost to my knees when I looked up at her with raised eyebrows. Is that okay with you? Yeah. She grinned, placing a hand on top of my head. Don't mess up my waves, I teased. I can't promise that, she said with a giggle that was cut short by me smoothing my tongue over her clit. I slid one of her thighs over my shoulder and continued to taste her. She was fucking delicious. Ruby Hayes continued to exceed my expectations. Long, lonely nights with my hands wrapped around my dick did nothing to prepare me for the reality of this goddess. The smell of her sex, her smooth, soft skin caressing me as she writhed and squirmed, with my hands gripping her waist to steady her. Oh, Spencer. Oh my God, Spencer. Shh. I planted a kiss on her inner thigh. You'll wake the whole house. I can't help it. She panted as I slid a finger into her. Then, too, it was a tight fit and I was trying not to imagine how good it would feel when Ruby's heat was gripping my shaft. I needed to feel her warm, soft body wrapped around mine, but I needed her to come first. Ruby felt and tasted too good. I was living on borrowed time and I wouldn't last much longer without being inside her. I twisted my fingers in her, moving my fingertips over the tight patch of skin deep inside her. Whoa. She breathed. Keep doing that. I looked up at her. Her head was thrown back, exposing her lovely neck. She was gripping the side of the desk. Her chest was heaving. One glistening bead of sweat cascaded between her breasts. I leaned forward and caught it with my tongue before it reached her navel. Fuck, Ruby. I need you. 
I groaned, pumping my fingers in and out of her, brushing her sensitive pearl with my thumb. I need you right now. I moved my thumb to cover her swollen clit with my lips and began to suck while teasing the tip with my tongue. Then take me, Spencer. She whined as she began to come apart in my hands. I'm yours. Take me. When Ruby's spasming subsided, I stood and pulled my fingers out of her and sucked them both into my mouth while she ripped a condom from the strip, pulled down my pants, rolled it over my dick, and guided me into her. She grabbed the sides of my face and gazed at me as I slowly slid into her. My ruby felt so good. She felt too good. I haven't been with anyone like this since Sarai's diagnosis. I never imagined feeling like this for anyone else. Spencer. Ruby called to me, and my eyes met hers. Look at me. I want you to see me when we make love. Yes, I whispered. I forced my eyes open to gaze into her chestnut-hued irises, flecked with gold. Her pupils were dilated. Thick, onyx-colored lashes framed the eyes that were gazing back at me with so much passion and intensity that it was overwhelming. I tucked my bottom lip in between my teeth and bit down, trying not to explode into her. Do you see me? She asked. Her glittering brown eyes were searching mine for something. Was it reassurance or recognition? Admittedly, I felt guilty when I first realized my attraction to Ruby. I'd already found the love of my life. We'd made vows. We created a life together, both figuratively and literally. Now, she was gone. I knew her last wish was for me to move on, but I wasn't sure I could just cast my love for her aside for someone new. Then I met Ruby Hayes, and as my feelings for her grew, I realized that I didn't have to cast my love for Sarai aside. There was room in my heart for them both. I would always love Sarai for all the things she taught me about myself and the wonderful but short time we had. But I could love Ruby too. I desperately wanted to love Ruby too if she would give me the chance. Yes, Ruby. I see you. I only see you. My eyes filled with tears at the declaration, and it felt like a weight had been lifted. I had gone from almost losing everything I loved tonight to finding everything I needed in Ruby's eyes. She wrapped her arms around my neck and her legs around my waist, drawing me deeper into her until she was full. Oh, Spencer, you feel so good. She moaned as I slid in and out of her, gripping her thighs while trying to make this moment last as long as I could. Ruby's slick heat was gripping me, squeezing me as I buried myself in her. The sharp points of her nails dug into my back, and she embraced me trying to merge our bodies into one. She arched her back, 
pressing the globes of her small breasts into my chest. Oh, yes, Spencer. Right there. That feels so fucking good. Her words were driving me over the edge, and I was ready to crash. I reached between our bodies again, finding her clit with my thumb and massaging. Come for me, baby. Come for me again. I rasped into her neck between kisses as I thrust my hips into hers. Ruby granted my request in loud moans that I had to stifle with hungry kisses, and I followed her, hugging her close to me as I clenched and relaxed. We moved to the bed where we kept reaching for each other until half the condoms were gone. That was incredible. She planted a kiss on my chest and started giggling. I know. I have to escape the icy clutches of death more often. Stop! She slapped my chest. That's not funny. I'm sorry, baby. I kissed her curls. Did you just call me baby? She hit me with a lazy, sexy grin that made me want to reach for her again. I called you baby this afternoon. That's right, you did. She recalled. God, that feels like a hundred years ago. I feel like I aged a hundred years in that closet. So, what happened? If you're okay to talk about it. Sure. Some guy's retirement account was handled by the firm. His employer mismanaged the funds and he blamed us. Well, not me, but my company. Was anyone hurt? She whispered. Yeah. I paused for a long moment and hugged her closer, not wanting to think about it. Not at that moment, at least. I was never in any real danger. He was on a different floor, but they wanted everyone to stay put just in case. I thought about making a break for it so many times, but I couldn't risk it. I'm glad you didn't. You did the right thing. You came back to us. She squeezed me. Nina had a great time. She had no idea. Thanks again for taking care of her, and thanks for doing her hair. Of course. She smiled. But Nina asked me to give you some hair tips. Oh, yeah? She doesn't like the way I do her hair? I watched the same YouTube video 30 times to learn how to do those braids. I even bought one of those giant doll heads to practice after she went to bed. And they're great, but I think Nina would appreciate a little variety. And in the future, you should detangle her hair before you rinse the conditioner out. The tangles come out more easily, and it's less painful for her. And you, probably. She smiled and kissed my chest. Really? I picked my head up to look at her. Why didn't she ever say anything? I think she didn't want to hurt your feelings. She gave me a tender half-smile before planting another soft kiss on my chest. I leaned back on my pillow, wondering how long my daughter was sparing my feelings while I was torturing her. Thank you for telling me, Ruby. Of course. She replied. Thank you for everything you've done for us. You've been a godsend. Heaven sent, really. You're not exactly slacking in the Helping Ruby department, especially Nina. She's like the Jack Hayes whisperer. 
She laughed before giving me the full rundown of everything Nina and Jack did while they were here, including the superhero girls' marathon and dinner time. I wish she could help me persuade Dad to try an assisted living community. Maybe there's a way she can. What do you mean? We work with some nonprofits, and there's one called The Bridge that brings school-aged children to retirement communities to hang out with the residents. Hmm. She mused. That might work. There's a few moving pieces that I think I could make fit, but it's worth a shot. Thank you. Anything for you. I smoothed my palm over her body and settled on her hip. So what are you going to do? Make love to you for as long as you'll let me. That sounds nice, but I mean with work. Oh, well, the office is closed for a few days, so I guess I'll be on time picking up Nina. I tickled her. Ruby laughed. You'd still be late, but why don't you take her to Chicago for a few days? I picked my head up to look at her. Ruby. We kissed, and you spent a week pretending it didn't happen. Now, we have sex, and you're sending me halfway across the country? Is there something I should know? No, silly. She rolled on top of me and stacked her forearms on my chest to use it as a chin rest. You had a very traumatic experience, and I know Nina misses her family. Were you planning on telling them what happened over the phone and not in person where they can squeeze you and kiss you and see with their own eyes that you're okay? Her words made perfect sense. They made so much sense that I was a little mad I didn't think of it. I loved her a little bit more, and I'd be sure to tell my mother that she had Ruby to thank for our surprise visit. Come with us. I pushed a curl away from her face. That, sir, is the opposite of taking it slow. Plus, I have work. But... She leaned forward and kissed me. I will miss you and Nina like crazy. We'll miss you, too. Chapter 9. Ruby. Hey, where are you going? Spencer whispered to me as I tried to slide out of bed. You know where I'm going, I whispered to him while I was feeling around the floor for my bra. But it's so early. He said in his cute pouty voice that melted me nearly every time. That's the point. I was sliding into my panties. For the last three weeks, I've been coming to Spencer and Nina's house after Nina went to bed and leaving before she woke up in the morning. Occasionally, we'd have family dinner with the four of us, and we'd do fun things on the weekends, like driving to the beach or going to the drive-in. Though we agreed, mostly I insisted, that Nina wasn't ready to see me sleeping over. Spencer went along with it, though I could tell he was ready for more. I couldn't imagine my life without Nina and Spencer in it, but I was still scared, and I was glad Spencer was so patient. Baby. He called to me in his deep voice. Stay for a little while longer. He patted the space in his bed that I vacated. No, I can't be late today, and you better not be late either. Please, baby. Baby, please. He shot me a puppy dog look. You know, I almost died, right? I snorted laughter. That only worked once, and that was over a month ago. Damn. He snapped his fingers before he leaned back and laced his fingers behind his head before shooting me a grin. I buttoned up my shirt, 
pulled my bonnet off my head, and gave my hair a quick fluff with my fingers in the mirror before grabbing my shoes and pulling the bedroom door open. See you later, handsome. I blew him a kiss. See you later, gorgeous. He reached up and caught my kiss in his fist. Okay, everyone pair up and hold your buddy's hand. I was struggling to be heard over the din of squealing and giggling five- and six-year-olds. I pulled a flashlight out of my tote bag and aimed it at the ceiling of the school bus, flashing it on and off three times, the signal to be quiet and pay attention. When I finally had twenty pair of little eyes on me, I repeated my request along with additional instructions. Each child had a buddy. Each chaperone was assigned four kids. There were five parental chaperones, plus me and my co-teacher, Annette. Daddy, will you be my chaperone? Nina said in a stage whisper. Of course. Spencer nodded at her before shooting me a grin I had to pretend to ignore. There were already rumors flying about our possible romantic involvement. We just had to make it to the end of the school year. Nina wouldn't be my student anymore, and I'd be free to date her incredibly sexy dad. We filed off the bus at the Seven Palms Retirement Village, where we were met by Susan, the activities director. Well, hello, she called excitedly. Look at all these smiling faces. Are you ready to make some birdhouses with some of our residents and sing songs and have a dance party? Susan received resounding choruses of yes after every activity she listed. I looked at my watch and began to glance around. Spencer tapped me on the shoulder and pointed to my left. My face spread into a wide grin when I saw my father and Sabrina walking towards us. Hey, you two, I called. Mr. Jack. Nina squealed and ran in Dad's direction, wrapping her arms around his legs. Hey, little lady. Dad patted her head. We're here on a field trip. We're making birdhouses. Are you going to make birdhouses with us? Hold on, Nina. Spencer chuckled. Let Mr. Jack take a breath. Hi, Miss Sabrina. Nina smiled at Brina. They met two weeks ago when we went to the beach. I love that dress. Why, thank you, Nina. Brina did a twirl before shooting me a silly look. One of my clients made this for me. I bet if I ask them nicely, they can make one in your size. Would you like that? Nina bobbed her head excitedly. Those two became fast friends. After Sabrina and Dad showed Susan their visitor passes, they joined our crowd, headed to the recreation center, where we were joined by Aunt Anita. A dozen volunteers from the bridge program began pairing residents and kids before teaching us to assemble and paint birdhouses. Once I checked on my students, I joined the table with Nina, Sabrina, Spencer, Daddy, and Aunt Anita. Brina shot me a thumbs up, so things were going well. So, Auntie, how do you like it here? I asked. I could have been more subtle, but I only had a few minutes before I had to make my rounds again. Oh, I love it. Everyone is really nice. The food is good. There's a lot of things to do. She waved a perfectly manicured hand around, smiling. I'm making lots of new friends. Brina shot me a look and raised her eyebrows. I stifled a giggle. As if on cue, an older man with light brown skin and a badly dyed inky black mustache wearing a fedora walked past our table. Como esta, Anita? The man slowed his gait as he passed our table. Muy bien. ¿Y tú, Miguel? Anita smiled pleasantly at Miguel and gave him a small wave. Muy bien. Muy bien. Miguel nodded at everyone sitting at the table. His gaze lingered on my father for a second, and Dad narrowed his eyes slightly. Who was that? Daddy asked. I definitely detected a tone in his voice, 
Spencer and Brina noticed it, too. Oh, that's just Miguel, one of the other residents. Huh. My dad huffed before looking around and saying, So what other stuff do they have around this place? Brina and I shot each other what must have been the same confused glance, because Spencer laughed at us. Nina was completely oblivious, happily painting her birdhouse. I'll be right back. I slid off the bench to stand. I did a quick, but not too quick, walk around the rec center, checking on my students and snapping photos for the bulletin board before scooting on the bench next to Brina. What did I miss? I asked her. A lot, she whispered, and she looked annoyed. Someone who didn't know Brina wouldn't be able to tell, but I knew. So, you don't have a roommate? Dad said to Aunt Anita. Roommate? What the hell? No, Jackson, she answered. And it would be nice to have a familiar face around. I checked when Sabrina called, and there is a two-bedroom suite available. I know insurance covers a portion of the rent, but it would make the rest more affordable if we shared the cost. Aunt Anita slid her hand into Dad's, and Dad started rubbing the pad of his thumb over the back of her wrist. I looked at Brina again. She raised her eyebrows and pursed her lips. I don't know, Nita. Dad said in a sigh. Nita? What in the entire hell? Spencer pulled out his phone, and his thumb started flying over the screen. What the hell was so important that he needed to be on his phone now of all times? I found out when my phone vibrated in my pocket. Teacher's pet, about a year after your mom passed away, your dad and Anita started hooking up but didn't keep the relationship going because they didn't want to risk hurting you and Sabrina. My jaw dropped. I really did miss a lot when I went to check on my students. I tilted my phone to show Spencer's message to Brina. Her face was a mask, which I knew after 20 years of friendship meant she was processing this new information and probably inwardly losing her shit. She glanced at my phone, read the message, and nodded. Dad sacrificed a chance at love after Mom died because he wanted to spare my feelings and wasted over 20 years with the possible love of his life living four streets away. Dad, I cleared my throat. If you're considering this, I want you to know that I think it's a great idea. I don't know if I can. He sighed and looked at my aunt. What's stopping you? I asked, though I had a feeling I knew the answer. What will happen to the house? He asked. My father didn't like the idea of me having to take care of him, but I feared the prospect of him not being able to take care of me in any capacity would be hard to accept. We could sell it, I said. It hurt to suggest it. I knew how proud Dad was of owning the house free and clear, but it was the only logical option. No! My father slammed the hand that wasn't holding Aunt Anita's hand on the table. Your mother and I wanted you to have that house. Dad, that's really nice, but you know I can't afford to keep the house on my own. Nina and I could rent the house. Spencer chimed in. We're renting now. You could use the income to pay your rent here and your property taxes. Dad seemed to consider the idea. I pulled out my phone and sent Spencer a text. Me. And where would I live when you and Nina move into my house? Teacher's pet. We could rent you a room at a competitive rate, and if you couldn't afford it, I could think of other forms of compensation. Me. Excuse me, sir? Teacher's pet. 
smiling devil horn emoji. I'm sorry. I have to check on my students. I got up again and walked around the rec center, but I kept sneaking glances at the table. By the time I returned, Dad had agreed to move to Seven Palms and live with Ananita. Though I was still processing this bombshell, the two people who raised me dropped in my lap. I was really happy for Dad and felt like a huge weight had been lifted. At the end of the most mentally exhausting field trip I'd ever been a part of, I was standing outside the school bus talking to Sabrina. Did you know? I asked her. She made a circle around her face with her index finger. Does it look like I knew? Hell no, I didn't know. We could have been sisters this whole time. We were sisters this whole time, I reminded her. True, true. She hit me with a sly grin. So things are going well with Mr. Jones? You make everything sound dirty, Brina. Excuse me, ma'am. She pulled out her phone and showed me the text messages I sent her the night of the lockdown. Rube. Spencer's safe. He and Nina are spending the night at my house. Rube. BTW? It definitely still works. Winking face emoji. We shared a laugh. Are you happy, Rube? Yeah, I'm happy, I nodded. Good. Promise me you won't waste 20 years of your life like the horny old fools that raised us. Ugh, I still can't get over it. I shuddered. Do you think they did it while we were in the house? Girl, who knows? She shook her head. Anyway, go get on your bus. I'll make sure Pop gets home safe and sound. Love you, sis, I said in a sing-song voice as I backed away from her. Ha ha, shut up. I love you too. Dad was having dinner at the Seven Palms, so I accepted Nina's invitation to eat with her and Spencer at their soon-to-be former home. The grown-ups were in the kitchen cooking dinner, while the kid was sprawled out on the living room floor, watching superhero girls. Thank you for the very nice thing you did for my dad today. I planted a kiss on his lips. But we definitely should have had a conversation about moving in together first. You're absolutely right, beautiful. I got carried away seeing the two of them together. I knew he was so close to saying yes. My heart melted at the thought of him being so invested in my father's happiness. But if it makes you comfortable, Nina and I will stay here. And pay my dad's rent, I asked. Spencer shrugged and nodded. That's ridiculous. If it would make you happy. It's not ridiculous. He kissed me again and went back to stirring the sauce on the stove. My chest tightened with emotion, and I drew in a deep breath to keep myself from crying into the garlic bread I was slicing. What had I done right in my life to deserve the love of this man and his daughter? I put my hand on the arm Spencer wasn't using to cook. His eyebrows shot up in question, and he looked at me. I love you, I said. I'm sorry, what was that, Miss Hayes? Spencer grinned down at me. I'm not sure I heard you correctly. I love you. I love you too. He said this as if it were the most obvious thing in the world. I knew that he must have loved me for a while and was waiting until I was ready to hear it. I felt like I was floating. He wrapped his arm around my waist, pulled me close, and kissed me. This kiss was more chaste than usual with Nina in our sightline, but no less full of the passion it conveyed. When our lips finally separated, he asked... Does this mean that you're ready to speed things up? 
It does, I grinned. How fast are we talking? I don't want to waste years of my life like my dad and Aunt Anita. I want everything. I want you, Nina, your family in Chicago, living in my house together. Everything. Are you sure? He raised his eyebrows mischievously. Um, yes, Spencer, I'm sure. I narrowed my eyes at him. What's going on? He released my waist, stepped back, and clapped his hands twice over his head. Little bit. He called into the living room. Yeah, Daddy? It's time to give Ruby your gift. It is? She asked, and her dad nodded. Finally, I'll go get it. She jumped to her feet and took off running to her room. I turned to watch her zoom past, and when I turned back to Spencer to ask him what the hell was going on, he was kneeling in front of me, holding a ring. It was a heart-shaped ruby, flanked by two large diamonds set in platinum. Whoa. I looked at Spencer, and he had tears in his eyes, which immediately triggered my tears. Ruby Emma Hayes, will you make me the happiest, the most exhausted and the most punctual man in the world, and marry me. How long have you been carrying that around? Since Chicago. That was almost a month ago. I laughed and tears sprung from my eyes. Spencer, I really want to say yes. Then you should say yes. He grinned at me. I should tell you something first. My heart was pounding. I couldn't believe I was contemplating ruining this perfect moment, but things were moving so fast. Spencer and I couldn't take another step forward without him knowing everything. Okay. He nodded. Can I get off my knee first? Yes. I laughed. Spencer stood, wrapped his arm around my waist, and slipped the ring on my finger. Wait, you didn't hear what I had to tell you. Ruby, it won't matter. But if I change my mind, I'll take the ring back. He shrugged before grinning at me. So, I sighed, I have a lot of student debt. Okay. He nodded. Is that it? I wasn't expecting that response. I continued. No, I swallowed a lump in my throat. When Dad had his stroke, there were a lot of things that his insurance wouldn't pay for, and I just started teaching. I didn't have a lot of money, so I maxed out my credit. I have a plan to pay it off, but I will probably die of old age before that happens. I bit my lip and looked up at him through my lashes. He crooked his finger under my chin and pulled it up so I could see him clearly. So, you thought I wouldn't want to marry you because you went into debt getting an education and you maxed out your credit taking care of your father who was sick? Maybe, I shrugged. So... Do you still want to marry me? Baby, I want to marry you even more than I did before you told me. Well, that's good. I grinned and kissed him. Because you were going to have to fight me to get this ring back. Spencer burst out laughing just as Nina returned holding a small velvet box. What's so funny? She asked, glancing between her dad and me. Look. Spencer held up my hand. You said yes? She looked at me. You're going to marry my daddy? Yes, I nodded. She crashed into me and wrapped her arms around my waist. Give Ruby your gift. 
Spencer said. I gently removed her arms from my waist, crouched down to her eye level, and saw that there were tears in her eyes. Oh, sweetie, don't cry. But I'm so happy. She sniffled. I knew it. I knew it was you. Little tears spilled from her eyes, and I became a blubbering mess. Come here, little bit. Spencer scooped her in his arms and hugged her until she calmed down before sitting her on the kitchen island where she finally handed me the velvet box. I opened it, and inside was a delicate rose gold chain threaded through what looked like a penne noodle, but was also made of rose gold. This is... This is... My throat constricted, and I couldn't form words. Do you like it? Nina asked. I love it. I whispered and handed the box to Spencer so he could put the necklace on me. My aunt made it. She said I gave her the idea. Nina beamed at me. Simi is rolling out an entire collection of jewelry inspired by Nina's necklaces next year for Mother's Day. This is the prototype, and it's one of a kind. Just like you. There. He planted a kiss on my shoulder after he fastened the necklace. Okay, little bit. Dinner's almost ready. Go wash your hands. He helped her off the counter, and she ran to the bathroom. How are you feeling? Happy. Overwhelmed, but happy. I pressed our lips together. I forgot to tell you one thing that might make you change your mind. Oh, yeah? I could never be a Bulls fan. Give me my ring back. No. I narrowed my eyes and took off running around the island towards the living room. Spencer caught me around the waist, and we collapsed onto the couch where he kissed me and tickled me until I squealed for him to stop. Damn, I love you, Ruby. I love you too, Spencer. Epilogue. Spencer. How are you always so horny? I rolled onto my back panting and pulled my sweaty wife into the crook of my arm. I don't know. It's all these damn hormones. It's like my body doesn't understand that we can't get pregnant because we're already pregnant. She laughed. And then it will say, hey, remember how sexy your husband looked holding that baby last weekend? And then I have to attack you until my lust is sated, sir. She shot me a lascivious grin and kissed me. How are you able to keep up with me? That's why I don't miss a workout and keep myself hydrated. Your boy has to stay ready, I laughed. Plus, you are a very sexy pregnant woman. It's not that difficult to want to sate your lust, my lady. I kissed her. So, are you ready for today? No. She glowered. I mean, I'm happy. It still takes a little getting used to. Ruby's dad and Sabrina's mom are getting married today. They've been living together at the Seven Palms for a year, and a couple of months ago they decided they wanted to get married. We're going to have to get ready to go soon. I was picking my sister up from the airport. She designed the jewelry for the ceremony, and for some reason insisted on flying in to attend. She's gotten to know Ruby's family over the last year, and loves any excuse to hang out with Nina. I wrapped my arms around my wife and palmed her belly. Hey, did I ever tell you I made a playlist for you when I was in the lockdown? No. Is that why your phone died? She punched me in the chest. You're still mad about that? I laughed because I knew that Ruby was joking, 
but she didn't know that making that playlist for her kept me sane in that closet. Maybe that's why I kept it from her. I knew every moment I endured in that dark, tiny box brought me closer to seeing her and Nina again. The therapist I'd been seeing for the last year, paid for by my company in exchange for not suing them, along with the settlement we used to pay off Ruby's student loans, has helped me process the events of that day. I still get nervous in small spaces, and the only real argument I've had with my wife is when I tried, unsuccessfully, to persuade her to quit teaching and homeschool Nina when I found out we were expecting. After what I went through, it was hard for me to stomach the idea of them sitting in a school building all day, like fish in a barrel. I'm getting better, and I love that I can laugh with my wife about it. Laughter is truly the best medicine, especially when it comes from Ruby Jones. I will never stop being mad about that. She pouted until I kissed her. What did you call it? Love Jones, I laughed. Boo! She laughed. Seriously? You missed the opportunity to call your playlist Trapped in the Closet? I burst out laughing and she joined me. I'm so glad I married you, I said between chuckles. Me too. I laughed again and then stopped. Hey, was that a Chicago crack? No. She replied sarcastically before saying, Yes. You know, there's more to Chicago than Oprah Winfrey and R. Kelly, right? Yeah. Isn't Kanye from Chicago? She tucked her teeth between her lips to keep from laughing. Give me my ring back, I joked and tickled her. We had a running joke that I would ask for my ring back whenever she talked slick about my hometown. It belonged in the Hall of Fame of Empty Threats. Every time I saw my wife, my eyes would dart to her hand, and the thrill of seeing my ring there never got old. I think she knew. And that was why she teased me so often, and I never got tired of it. Of course I know there's more to Chicago. It's my second favorite place in the world, and half of my family lives there. She smiled and turned her body to face mine. She wasn't joking about half of her family living in Chicago. I think she talked to my mother more than I did. Oh yeah? Where is your favorite place? Right here. She ran her fingertips over the curve of my cheeks and brought our faces together. With you? Hmm. I bopped her nose. And you say I'm corny. I kissed her. Shut up. She laughed again. Let me see this playlist. There better not be any R. Kelly on here. I opened the Spotify app and handed her my phone. Let's see. She brushed the pad of her fingertip over my screen. Oh, Kissing You by Total. Little on the nose, isn't it? Lady by D'Angelo. Nice. Angel by Anita Baker. A classic. Oh, Anniversary. My parents used to dance to this song all the time. Love of my life. Really? She cut her eyes at me. Yup. I pressed our lips together. Me and Mrs. Jones? She gave me a skeptical look. 
You were making big plans in that closet, Mr. Jones. You know it, Mrs. Jones. I grabbed her left hand and brought her rings to my lips. I had Simi design her engagement ring to complement her mother's wedding ring. The same ring she tried to use to scare me away was the same ring I slipped on her finger at the same beach in California we're headed to today. My entire family flew out from Chicago to watch us get married because Ruby was concerned about her dad making the trip east. They were happy to oblige, and Sarai's parents were even in attendance, which meant the world to us. I was nervous about Sarai's parents meeting Ruby when they flew out to visit us a couple of months before the wedding, but I didn't have to be. Ruby insisted they stay with us so they could spend as much time with Nina as possible. On the second morning of their visit, I came downstairs to find Ruby and Sarai's mother, Uba, talking in the kitchen over coffee. Before the end of their visit, Uba had taught Ruby how to make kakak, which are like donuts. Sarai got me addicted to them when we were dating, and Nina and I haven't had them since we left Chicago. We have to get up soon, babe. My wife hooked her leg around my waist and brought us as close together as she could with her belly in the way. Maybe one more time? She tucked her bottom lip between her teeth. You're trying to kill me, aren't you? I narrowed my eyes at her. You've escaped death before. I like your odds. She giggled and kissed me before taking my hand and closing it over one of her breasts. They've grown significantly over the last few months, but they were still soft, smooth, and still the perfect size for the palm of my hand. I grabbed my phone with my free hand and tapped one of the songs in my playlist. Ask of You started to play through our Bluetooth speakers, and I started to sing to my wife. You are so silly, she laughed. You know, I'm a big boy. Yes, you are, she said in a deep, sultry voice. And big boys have desires. She burst into her melodic laugh, and I spent the rest of the song kissing her everywhere. And yes, even there. The wedding was short and blissful. We were blessed with beautiful weather, and I spent the reception watching my six-year-old daughter drop it like it was room temperature on the dance floor and holding my wife on my lap with one palm on her belly. Brina and Simi really hit it off, huh? I asked Ruby. Babe, seriously? She giggled. What? I can neither confirm nor deny anything, but I know Brina has produced three high-profile events in Chicago in the last two months and is considering a very lucrative offer from a Chicago-based firm. Well, I nodded. It would be good that she already has a friend there. I tightened my arms around her belly. Oh, you sweet summer child. She kissed my temple. Do you need me to send you a text message? She giggled. What? Then the realization dawned. Oh, oh, nice! How long has this been going on? I'm not sure, but at least since our wedding. Why haven't they said anything? She shrugged. 
I don't know about Simi, but Brina has always been like that. In high school, I didn't know she had a boyfriend until she brought him to prom and they'd been together for six months. I know Simi has been a little wary of relationships since her divorce. I nodded. Ruby and I lifted our water glasses and toasted to Jack and Anita, to Sabrina and Simi, and to ourselves. Woo! Nina flopped into a chair next to mine. My dogs are barking! My wife and I had a good idea where Nina learned this new phrase. Ruby and I shot a look at Sabrina, who shrugged at us, and the four of us burst out laughing. Thank you, baby. Ruby moaned, and I swung her swollen feet into my lap on our couch and began to massage them. My dogs were barking. We burst out laughing. What are we going to do with that little girl? I don't even know. She said in a sigh when her laughter died down. She should start getting ready for bed soon. Five more minutes, please. She begged, and finding it completely impossible to deny this woman anything, I continued to rub. Ten minutes later, we tapped on Nina's door, which was Ruby's old bedroom. Time to get ready for bed, little bit, I said. Okay. Can I finish watching Mommy's video? Of course. Ruby answered with a smile, and I saw her fingers drift to her necklace. Simmy had Nina's original creations framed for a wedding present, along with the photo of Ruby and I wearing them. Every time I looked at that photo, I couldn't believe that I didn't realize that I was falling in love with her. Even then. She hasn't watched all of Sarai's videos, but she's seen a couple. Again, I was nervous at first, but Ruby never ceases to amaze me. Ruby and Sarai were completely different people, but a small, crazy part of me felt that if they'd met when Sarai was still with us, they'd be really good friends. Why? You have to wash your makeup brushes often. Sarai's voice called from Nina's tablet. This is highlighter. Very important. Now, you only use highlighter to accentuate or enhance your nose, never to minimize it. Your daddy and I worked very hard to give you that nose. I felt Ruby chuckle in my arms. Don't ever let anyone tell you it's not beautiful. When the video ended, Nina put her tablet down, rubbed Ruby's belly for luck, and made her way to the bathroom. I pulled Ruby into Nina's room, lowered myself onto the bed, pulled her into my lap and picked up the tablet. I want to show you something. I looked into her eyes, trying to gauge her reaction. My heart started racing, and she put her soft hand on my cheek to calm me. Okay. She smiled. I scrolled through the videos until I found the one I was looking for and hit play. I had only seen this video once. Two years ago, I edited and uploaded it for Sarai. She was still alive then. Living. Breathing bossing me around and making me laugh until my cheeks hurt. I was still in denial and still hoping for some miracle cure or treatment that would end our daily nightmare so we could erase all these videos and pretend her cancer never happened. 
tonight seemed like the perfect time to watch it again, and I had the perfect person to watch it with me. This was one of the last videos Sarai made. She was sitting in a hospital bed, very thin and frail, but she was in full makeup, wearing a bright purple head wrap, the elephant pendant Nina picked out for her, and the giant gold hoop Simi made with at least a dozen bangles on each arm. I drew in a deep breath and let it out slowly. This was the version of Sarai I tried to push away. She was weak and in so much pain, but still trying to put on a brave front, trying to make sure everyone else was okay. Hey, teeny tiny, it's your mommy here. I'm going to make a very important video today. I know Daddy and Ayeyo have told you that I'm going to heaven soon. My eyes started to sting, and I felt Ruby smoothing her palm over my back. And I don't want you to worry, because it's going to be sunny and beautiful, and my Ayeyo will be there, and I'll be able to eat all the kakak I want, whenever I want, without getting a tummy ache. Doesn't that sound great? Sarai flashed one of her dazzling grins at the camera. I wiped away a tear and looked up to see that Ruby was tearing up too. She gave me a small smile. But when I'm done eating all the kakak in heaven, I'm going to do something very important and I need your help, okay? I'm going to start looking for an angel to take care of you and daddy for me. I heard Ruby sniffle, and tears were streaming down her face. You okay, baby? Do you want me to stop? I reached out and brushed away a tear with the backs of my fingertips. No, I'm fine. She sniffled and kissed my temple. I'll need your help because after I'm gone, Daddy is going to miss me a lot and be really sad, so... He may not see the angel, so I'm depending on you to keep your eyes peeled for her, okay? How will you know she's the angel? I'm glad you asked. Sarai grinned again. I made a list. She held up a small pad. The angel will be very pretty. She will smile whenever she looks at you. Daddy will smile whenever he looks at her. You will always know that she loves you when you look in her eyes even if you're being naughty. She will be so funny. The angel will also be very smart, so she'll have lots of things to teach you. So, if you meet someone that is all of those things, then you must be very nice to her, because she might be the angel that Mommy sent for you. She laid the pad in her lap, took a deep breath, and looked off camera. Uba appeared in the frame and held up a water glass with a pot. A little Uba appeared in the frame and held up a water glass with a plastic straw for Sarai to sip. Now, if you are the angel and you happen to be watching this video, I want to thank you for taking care of my family. I'll never meet you, but I know you must be a very special person. And very patient. She laughed, and Ruby gave a watery chuckle and nodded.
I tightened my arm around her waist. Please make sure Nina doesn't wrap her father around her little finger. Too late. Ruby chuckled again. And please make sure Spencer gets enough sleep, gets to his appointments on time, and remembers to stop and enjoy the little things in life. Done. Ruby said. Except the sleep. Hush. And if it's not too much to ask... Sarai paused. Please don't let her forget me. Two shiny tears streaked down her face, and she quickly wiped them away before taking a deep breath and smiling at the camera. And if you hurt my family, I will figure out a way to come back and haunt you. Ruby burst out laughing. I don't know how yet, but one day you'll try some foolishness and the lights will flicker and that will be me. Sarai glared at the camera before bursting into giggles. Ruby was still laughing. Oh, Sarai, that's too much. Uba's voice called from off camera. What, Mom? I'm joking. Or am I? She waggled her eyebrows at the camera before bursting into a coughing fit. Uba rushed to give her more water. Sarai cleared her throat and continued. The woman that falls in love with my goofy-butted husband will have to have a sense of humor or she's not going to last. Where's the lie? Ruby murmured. Please, I sucked my teeth. I'm not goofy. You are the goofiest. She sniffled and kissed the side of my head. Mom, can you turn off the camera? Sarai pointed at the lens. It's off, Uba said. No, it isn't. The red light is on. That means it's recording. No, green means go, red means stop. Well, this camera didn't get that memo, so please... She gestured to the lens again. Ruby giggled, and I smiled. Ugh, with this foolishness. Uba approached the camera and was blocking the lens with her body. Now which button is it? The big one. This one? No, the big one. Sarai, there is only one big button. Is it... The video ended. Ruby was still laughing and wiping away tears. I remember wanting to edit that part of the video out, but Sarai wouldn't let me. I didn't understand until after she was gone. It wasn't the carefully staged and prepped photos and videos you treasure the most when you lose someone special. It's the random and candid moments that showed you who the people you loved really were. That's the way you remember them. Ruby once told me her fondest memories of her mother were of her reheating the same cup of tea in the microwave for three hours every morning, but never finishing it, and the way she would always close the oven door with her foot and how it would drive Jack crazy whenever she did it. I took a deep breath and tossed a tablet on the bed, wrapped both my arms around my wife, and pressed our lips together. Her kiss tasted salty, sweet, and like a lifetime of answered prayers. Thank you for sharing that with me. She smiled and pressed our foreheads together. Thank you for being our angel. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. The Hive is a production of Honey Magnolia. For more information about the books and authors mentioned in today's episode, 
along with the voices who help bring these stories to life just for you. Visit us at honmagpr.com. You can also follow The Hive at honmagpr and our host Tia at Tia with a pen. If you're interested in having your work featured or want to make a recommendation, email us at thehive at honmagpr.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is where we say the end. Until our next read.